0: Well, that's it. Bathurst is run and done for another year, and Shane Van Gisbergen has become the 62nd driver to win the race as Holden officially signs off. Cam Waters was the fastest driver all weekend. He had pole with a stunning lap, but couldn't take home the Peter Brock trophy. And the reason for that was rain and the Gizzers' 10 laps on a damp track that bought him track position for the 100 lap run home. He may be a seven time series champion and a four-time winner of the race, but Jamie Wincup was the first driver to make an error and hit the wall in the race. The mountain loves a big scalp and this was one. The story though was aero wash and how it made it virtually impossible for the cars to overtake and gave us one of the most static and least dramatic Bathurst races in years. This is Supercars in Review.
1: Well. It's all run and done. Bathurst is over
0: for another year. I'm joined by Andrew Clark. How you going, Clarky? Oh, never, not bad. Not bad. It was a um, relatively tame Bathurst for me. Um, I didn't do much walking. All I did was go from my office to the uh, to the lounge room for the first time in a long time. So, I feel very relaxed. Well, really? Uh, I mean, uh, yes. You probably were trying to figure out things to do. I oh, know, plenty of things to do. It's uh, it's hard, though, when you can't go down and talk to people. So, uh, you know, you, you're relying on information coming to you through other sources and things. So it's never as much fun, um, certainly not as much information and not as much knowledge as I would normally have. Uh, but, you know, it's just comes down now to my interpretation of what I saw and heard. So overall, before we get into the guts of it, oh, what did you think <laughs> of this year's race? Um, not much at all, to tell you the truth. I thought it was a very, fairly static affair, Um I think these um these high aero cars even though they've got less aero than last year there's still too much aero on them and they can't overtake so uh it left that last yeah 60 laps to be fairly static i thought and uh even when the safety cars came out it didn't look like anybody was going to be able to really make a move it was relying on mistakes and uh guys like van Gisbergen don't make mistakes so it was just mm, ho-hum let's go
1: yep i i felt uh, it was a little like that myself but uh before we do get into chatting about it, I do have a, a confession to make. I totally didn't have any idea what I was talking about. I picked one podium, which was Cam and Will. Um, but I did say it was possibly it was going to be dry all day. That's one thing I was right on. But other than that, I <laughs> my, my predictions went right out the window.
0: Yeah, no, you were much better on the weather forecast than me. I was... Um... I was into the doom and gloom of um, thunderstorms and, and, and you know Armageddon. but um, I would I say the that. excitement of that. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like you. I had Waters and Davison. Um, I didn't think that Van Gisbergen and Tanda had a good enough car, but uh, they had some tweaks done in the morning before the race that brought the car to life. So uh, it was quite a different beast in the race and quite a different car, I think, to what Jamie Winkup had by the look of it. Well, wow. So I think, you know... That, that was kind of came from nowhere, I think. Van Gisbergen speed.
1: Yeah, well, we'll get into that. Um, so let's let's start off in a bit of some order here. Well, actually, no, I'm gonna go through uh the positions of the race. Uh first up, Shane Van Gisbergen. Hello, we all know that Cameron Waters in second with Will Davison. Or sorry, Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander in first place. Cameron Waters with uh, Will Davison in second, Chas Mostert and Warren Luff in third. Fabian Coulthard and Tony D'Alberto in fourth. Scott McLaughlin and Tim Slade in fifth. In sixth is Scott Pye and Dean Fiore, followed by Lee Holdsworth and Michael Caruso in seventh. And then eighth is Mark Winterbottom and James Golding. Ninth, Anton T. and Brody Kostecki. And rounding out the top 10, James Courtney and Brock Feeney. Now, let's get into a bit of summing up the race the opening laps, um they slotted in line pretty quickly. I didn't see a lot of passing after the first couple of laps. They just were all single file. And and I don't know whether that was a combination because the co-drivers were racing with the main guys, wondering if it was going to be rain. What's your observations there?
0: Well, certainly no one does anything silly now in those um, opening laps of Bathurst. They understand it's a... It's a holding place until you get to about 140 and then the race is really on. So what we saw was we had um, Will Davison, Warren Luff, Garth Tander, Caruso, Tony Delberto, Lowndes, and Thomas Randall uh, from the top 10 were the co-drivers who started the cars against Scotty McLaughlin, Anton, um, James Courtney. Um, So what we had was a bit of a mix up the front of those guys. Um, And no surprise, the main game drivers got off the line better than the co-drivers. Um, so that sort of set the order right from the start. Um, so you saw Warren Luff dropping three spots off the grid, and um, uh, Tony D'Alberto dropped five spots and fell out of the top 10, uh, while James Courtney and Anton Di Pasquale jumped a whole heap of spots. Um, and as he said, that's kind of where it sat for quite a few laps. Nothing really happened. Um, the only real interest was what Scotty McLaughlin was going to do. So he wanted to, he started the race, he had to make a lot of ground on Cam Waters. Um, he needed to know that he had a big gap before he pitted so that um, Tim Slade didn't have any pressure on him when he got in the car finally. So he did pull it out to eight seconds in that first stint. Uh, but the question is, was it enough?
1: Well, I don't th- I don't think we'll ever know because things changed during the day. Um, really, they went through their first round of pit stops and there was a few changes and a few double stints and all that kind of stuff. But then it came to lap. 33 and jamie wincup on a passing move on brody Kostecki didn't pull it off it basically well met the concrete wall
0: he did didn't he um how good was Brody Kostecki, though um he made it very hard for vangussburger to get past um and then he was making it very hard for Win cup to get past well
1: so- yeah we'll get yeah, into Wink- brody Brody a little later yes
0: yeah well, we so won't Winkup get into him crash. we'll
1: talk about
0: him No, we'll <laughs> Yeah, so Win, Win cup had a crack at him at the chase, and then he had a crack at him at the at Griffins Bend. Um, both failed. Then they went around another lap, and he tried it again. So he had another crack at uh, Kostecki at um, at Griffins Bend. And the problem that the Erebus cars had was they were down on straight line speed, and where that left Brody. Um, really vulnerable was at griffin's bend um, and i reckon he learned that outside line better than anyone else i've ever seen because he spent more time out there than than anybody's ever been out there you know so van Gisbergen went under him there and left him out wide and Cup did the same thing and left him out wide but he didn't give in he just kept going he put his boot in and he kept going and, and he really didn't touch Cup or anything but he forced Cup into an error because Cup didn't know if he'd cleared him or not and could come over onto the racing line that that kink where Ambrose and Murphy had their crash all those years ago. Stayed out wide, in the dirt, nothing. The tail flipped out, hit the wall. Uh, Jamie Winkup, seven-time champion, four-time first winner out of the race. I kind of felt Jamie just didn't pull it off properly.
1: Um, You're right. He didn't know where Brody was exactly. He probably could have taken a bit more uh, room for himself, but he just put him in the position and it was a bit of a brain fade, I reckon
0: it wasn't the best move. I think, don't think Jamie would be terribly pl- proud of his decision at that particular point in time, and he admitted afterwards it was a mistake, but you kind of sit there and you think, if you're Triple Eight, um, this bloke's brought you so much joy for him to have a little bit of an incident or a crash. You know, you're not going to hold a grudge against him. It's just one of those things. Well,
1: he's a part-team owner now, so he has got his. You can admonish himself.
0: But not have too much of a grudge, then how do you might Lose your job. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that.
1: So first, first caution of the race,
0: um, it basically bunched the field back up, and they are off again. Yeah, it was, and we um, we saw a swap in in the um, in pit lane as well. So uh, Will Davison or Cam Waters came out in front of the number seventeen cast. So um, that was a, a swap, but no, nothing happened on the track. Um, and then we still we had static again, like um, Trez Mostert was charging a little bit harder against Kastecki, and he managed to to actually pass him um, which was a good thing. Um, much nicer to get past than hit the wall. So he got through and then we got up to, um, you yeah, know, to lap 50 or so when the next safety car happened.
1: Yes. Uh, Jordan boys in the cub cadet car or the BJR, one of the BJR cars basically looped it on himself coming out of the last turn onto the uh, pit straight and put it into the fence. And that was it for the, for the day safety car. Um, but the thing was that the, uh, rain started to come well a shower on top of the mountain as the safety car was pretty much winding it down saying let's go racing again and on that on that last lap like the safety cars coming in i heard over the radio uh, or was declared a wet race um so they obviously thought it was wet enough at the top of the mountain and um it went from there yeah,
0: it was interesting, wasn't it? Because we, we did see the rain starting to appear. I mean, they cut suddenly to, I think it was Cam Water's car, and the rain was very significant. But only up on top, down below, it wasn't so bad. Um, but then what we saw was they they waved through um the Rick Kelly Dale Wood car, which was umpteen laps down after its clutch problems. Um, and he took off to do his little thing and try and catch up to the tail of the field and then went off at the chase, <laughs> which was interesting. So just because you had to when you're sitting behind a safety car, you've got to keep the tire temperatures up. But remember um, that they had to slow the safety car down to 60Ks to let that car pass rather than 80 k. So they dropped a little bit more off as well um, And then when he got past. So keeping your tyre temperatures up is a really hard thing. So the restart we're all kind of looking forward to. It was one of the hairy times in the whole race and you, you just got no idea what's going to happen.
1: Oh, well, that's right. So it's wet. Everybody's tip around, sliding around. It was a bit of... The pack was kind of trying to keep out off each other's guards and bumpers and all that kind of stuff because one wrong move and you are well, you were toast. Um, But the real mover was
0: Shane Van Gisberg and we all know he's a bit of a rain master. Yeah, well, he was one of the two things. So two cars clearly didn't work very well, which was car number six and car number 17 like they they just looked all at sea haha, in the um <laughs> during those that little wet patch of the race. Um and they dropped spots, you know. So first of all, Van Gisbergen got got um uh, the number 17 car, and then two laps later he got the number six car to take the lead and and then he just walked away with it, put a bit of a gap in there, and it looked all good. Um but the other car that was looking good in the rain was the um the second shell car, the number 12 with Delberto and Fabian Coulthard, um, who was actually at the wheel at the time, and he picked up three spots. Um, including that of his teammates. Um, so he moved from you know, from having to double stack during the safety car and losing a couple of spots, he got himself back there pretty quickly. Um, so strange that two cars from the same team, one was good in the wet, one was shocking in the wet. So there's obviously slightly different setup between the two cars.
1: Well, Shane van Gisbergen said that his uh the drive in the wet was the key to setting up or well, one of the keys that put him in the it put him in the catbird seat to to take out the the race
0: because he got past all those guys in the wet. I mean, Van Gisbergen clearly set the race up with that with that spell. I mean, he was dominant. Okay, it wasn't really wet.
1: It was a bit damp. It wasn't wet. <laughs> Right? They didn't even didn't change tyres. With- no, they didn't change tyres. They said, oh, it's it's damp. Let's keep stay on the slicks. Anybody who came in to change wet tyres to take a chance, like Andre Heimgardner, lost out big time. Right? Now, he, the only thing that he could have done is he says, oh, I've done one extra pit stop than everybody else, so I'm closer to my maximum or minimum seven pit stops. But the reality is he was penalised because he took a chance and it went the wrong way. It didn't get any wetter, it got dry again.
0: No, it sure did, but it was um it was one of those race tracks where there was a couple of little wet spots. It was a bit like a nursing home, you know, a couple of wet spots and a lot of dry spits.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one wet spot. That was it. So I'd say it was a dry race. I know they said it's a wet race, but pff, uh, nah, not a wet race.
0: Anyway. Uh... I mean, they were 25 seconds off normal pace, though, so it was wet enough to lose 25 seconds when it was at its peak. Yeah, but, but not wet like, enough
1: to put wets on. No.
0: <sighs> No, no, but nah. the rain didn't last long enough to justify So what I'm saying. It
1: wasn't uh, wet. Justify
0: wets. What if yeah.
1: it wasn't wet? Okay. It all pretty much slotted back in, a couple of pit stops and stuff here and there. Then lap 97, Jack Smith buries the car in the sand pit at Murray's Corner, or the last corner, and safety car again. Everybody dies in the pits to do pit stops, and this is th- – this is the crimp. This is the. This is what I'd see as
0: one of the moments of the race for Scott McLaughlin. Absolutely, this is the one where he lost the race um, because he was running a different pit strategy and co-driver strategy. Everybody else, Tim Slade had not done his fifty-four laps. They had to leave Tim Slade in the car when everybody else had already got their main drivers in to take the run home. So they were triple stinting um, the Shell team with 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 mclaughlin and slade couldn't do that so the race was lost in that spot on its own um i think he only needed two laps to go to get there uh, mclaughlin thought he was getting in the car he was standing in pit lane helmeted, ready to go and they said nah scotty come back um my question is should they have just slotted mclaughlin in won't gone for track position and then looked and hoped that maybe there was going to be another little safety car or something where they could have dropped Tim slade back in for a short stint Um, so in hindsight, you know, you can sit there and say, well, this is what we should have done or could have done. Um, but as we know, track position in this particular race was everything. And I think they probably should have put McLaughlin in.
1: So look, it goes back further than that. It goes back to the start. They decided to put Scott in the car to start the race. Uh, everybody, you put a co-driver in to start the race, got their co-driver laps out of the way. Um, but for some reason,
0: Scott decided to start the race. Do you think that was the flaw in their plan? Well, certainly when you go out of step with with most of the other major contenders, you've got to ask yourself, why have I done that? Um, we know that Tim Slade was about 1.2 seconds off Scott McLaughlin's pace. So it wasn't like he had a co-driver he could slot in that was going to be able to run at the front with all the others. So, you know, you guys like, like Will Davison and Tanda and so forth, you know, they were running in the, in the mid to low fives. Um, but you know, Tim Slade wasn't doing that on a regular basis. So I think they felt that, you know, they would get a better advantage by, by running Scott and keeping track position and maybe getting a bit of a gap before they put um, Tim Slade into the car.
1: Okay. Well, then they, they uh, fell into the hands of safety cars, and the and the Bathurst gods
0: decided that Scott McLaughlin wasn't going to win the race today. No, that, the mountain chose a loser at that point in time. So. <laughs> well, I think there's a, a few that had chosen, just Scott happened to be one of. Them. Oh yeah, there was a
1: couple. There was a couple that had already plucked out of nowhere. You know. So it was a strategy, but it was a strategy thing. Like in the face of safety cars, when you don't know them, it looked like the DJR with Scott McLaughlin and Tim Slade kind of strategized themselves out of the, a race win.
0: Yeah, that was exactly what happened. They just couldn't do anything about it. And um, yeah, it's interesting when you look at how the rest of the race panned out um, in that, you know, we had 97 and 6 in first and second for the entire rest of the race. Um, we had 25 effectively in third for the entire race, except for a, a two lap window where they pitted slightly earlier than than Fabian Coulthard, and then he had 17 pretty much in fourth, you know, fifth place all the way through that period. Um, they had a brief spell with her in front of of Coulthard, but they were going to have to pit and have a longer pit stop for fuel anyway. So. The race was there, it was settled, and, and the um the whole issue around being able to pass at Bathurst, you know, which was raised quite extensively last year by Shane Van Gisbergen when he said the aero wash just didn't let him have a chance at taking on McLaughlin. And we saw the same thing. The only difference for Van Gisbergen was this time he was in front, so he was probably happy of the aero wash.
1: Well, that's what I want to get into. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get into the aero wash, um, but first I'll say after the rain, after the net. Uh, that uh, safety car that uh, caught Scott McLaughlin and Tim Slade out kind of apart from Scott McLaughlin having to, or Tim Slade having to come into pits and kind of change drivers by themselves, which put them further behind and kind of off sequence a little bit, the race
0: pretty much slotted into a bit of a snooze fest. Yeah, well, even the safety cars didn't really give it any life because you never felt like anybody was going to make a pass. Um, guys like at the front of the field, when you've got your main game drivers like your Van Gisbergen's and your Waters and your Mostets and guys like that, they're not going to make too many mistakes over the course of a race like this, and and certainly they're not going to make a mistake in the spots where they can be passed. Um, so if you're not if you make a mistake and hit the wall, that's easy, bang, we understand that one um but there's only two spots where it's critical for you to not make another mistake so one is coming out of the elbow so you're going to concentrate every instance of energy you've got coming out of the elbow and the other one is coming at a hell corner so that you can protect yourself going into griffin's bend so these guys know that so all i had to do was concentrate on that if you went across the top and dropped four or five seconds through reed and mcphillamy park who cares no one's passing you so the race strategy was keep it there, keep it straight on those particular spots and and just blast it down the straights.
1: Look, talking about Hell corner or turn number one, a lot of drivers were saying that when you go through this corner, from how your car goes through the corner and how it wiggles and how the grip and the acceleration, you can tell how the rest of your lap's going to go just by doing that one corner.
0: It's your telltale, isn't it? Um, even though interesting, they were talking about that during the shootout, and um, I think Van Gisbergen was saying like he would even know by the feel of it when he was wheeling to try and warm up the tires. Um, so hell does give you that feeling; it lets you know what your tires are going to be like for that particular lap, and, and what your brakes are like, obviously, because you've you've gone into the corner as well. So you'll know what sort of shape you're in, and it's a it's a telltale corner. It's a much trickier than you think as well. It looks fairly simple; it looks like just a basic right-handing, but it's got camber, off camber. Um, you know, the curb at the edge of it and the end and things. So it's caught out many of people over the years.
1: They're all saying how you take that corner determines how well your lap's yep. going to go. I mean, that's, yep. that's pretty big.
0: And absolutely, as I say, it's, it's, and that's about feel as well. You know, how does it feel? But as I say, you know, two critical spots for making time at Bathurst is Mountain Strait and, and Conrad Strait. So you know you want to come out of Hell Corner well, you want to come out of the elbow elbow well, um, and the rest of it just looks after itself.
1: Okay, Aero Wash. One of the things that wasn't helping the racing was Aero Wash. Read its ugly head again. Your thoughts?
0: Well, I think it's um it's atrocious. <laughs> so when when they did the la- latest model Commodore. They snuck through a whole bunch of aerodynamic gains that the Falcons didn't have, so they pushed up the amount of aero that was coming. Then the Mustangs came along and pushed it even further. So we've got cars now that are generating massive amounts of downforce when five years ago they weren't. Um, So we saw a lot more overtaking in the old days at Bathurst than we do now. So last year it was Indian file. This year it was Indian file as well. So hopefully with what I've seen from the Gen 3 cars, they're getting rid of it. You know, the aero wash will go. They're going to cut the air for the aerodynamics do you know how right they, down.
1: Do you know how much they're going to cut it by?
0: Uh, halving it from, from what I understand.
1: What from what they've got now or what they're talking about they yep. had last year?
0: No, uh, what from what they've got now, they're going to halve the downforce. Okay. Um, so that'll be a really good game. That'll bring us back to where the drivers actually count more than the aerodynamics. And that means you can do things. So, yeah, you because know, what happens is if you're driving along behind them, like let's say, so let's take cam waters. Broken cool suit, um, probably not getting air-conditioned air coming through, so he's not getting clean air either. He's sitting in the wake of Shane Van Gisbergen. So he's getting not just the um, the aero wash, he's not just getting the turbulent air that's upsetting his nose, he's also not getting any clean air into his his face. Um, He's not getting any cooling air into the brakes or the engine and the front tyres are starting to scrabble because he's got the aero wash. So the longer you sit behind that person, the harder it gets. And you'll see that Cam Waters was able to stick on his tail for a little bit and then he started to drift back slowly, um, and I think Cam Waters to me, I think he still had the fastest car on the track, but he just couldn't do anything about it.
1: We talk about the Aero wash, but continuing on with the race, there was pretty much only two safety cars, and they were near the end. Uh, first one was uh, lap 152 when Jack Smith, his tire deflated, and he you well know, send him into the <laughs> sent him into the sand trap at the at the chase. And um, From
0: Brad Jones Racing, it must have made them think about Fabian Coulthard when he went off there all those years ago in the in the Brad Jones Racing car. <laughs> but no, he was okay this time. Then
1: basically at the same time, Bryce Fullwood put his car in at the S's and basically two wheels were pointing the wrong direction on his car. So <laughs> they called out the caution. Everybody's just cycling behind them. And then they're off again. And then a couple of laps later, about four or five laps to go, Zane Goddard at the great basically drags it across along the wall, stuffs it, and parks it just uh, the other side of Sky, actually on Skyline or the other side of Skyline. The officials have deemed it's in a bad spot. Safety car. They get the whole thing cleared up with about three laps to go. Cam Waters is right up the clacker of uh, Shane Van Gisbergen. Right, if he could park his car in his boot, he would have. He did (laughs) (laughs) practically. He gave him a nut, I think. Yeah, well, why not? But then, uh, you know, the gears took off again at the restart, and you know, Cam tried to keep up with him. May even did a bit of. Well, he flicked the car out to say, "Hey, I'm in the mirrors," but he didn't even look like he was going to be able to pass him at all. And that's kind of how those laps died
0: down. Yeah. No, those those moves by Cam Waters were just little stunts to try and distract Van Gisbergen because he knew he couldn't get through. He wasn't even trying. He was just sticking his nose out. Here's my headlights. Ah, he would go back in again. Yeah, so the gave- only chance Cam Waters had was to get past that hell corner and he just couldn't do it. Van Gisbergen had control of the starts and he was all right.
1: Yeah, well, just gave the commentator something to talk about every time he weaved out of the, the draft. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So in the end,
0: the Gis, is first bathurst win and garth tander's fourth i know it's funny isn't it you kind of think that um the gizzard had one before because he came so close a couple of times but uh yep no cigar i mean he had the second places he had the car that stalled when he was in the grid and they couldn't and sorry in the pits and couldn't restart it so you know 31 years of age into his career and now he's got his bathurst win to go with his championship so yeah probably feeling fairly satisfied um and Garth Tander, of course, the four wins, you know, so he's up there in the uh, in the serious stakes, isn't he? Like four wins
1: is—I oh, don't care—he that's a it's a pretty good thing to put on your CV. And um, I have to admit, co- most co-drivers, except for maybe a couple, most co-drivers kept their noses clean. I was expecting a crash fest from the co-drivers, and I was proven wrong. It was the main game drivers, which well, <laughs> Jamie Wincuppy
0: started the uh, the safety cars. Uh, i was totally surprised yeah i thought overall the whole driving standards for the weekend were pretty good i mean you think about thursday friday saturday there was no big crashes at all i mean normally the mountains eating cars but this time around you know the the cars were dominating so yeah i think the drivers did a pretty good job especially considering how rusty some of them were going to be so a yeah, good good effort
1: well it ate a few super two cars because they're qualifying (laughs) they're qualifying on saturday for their saturday race and it was three red flags yeah maybe
0: the bathurst tummy was full
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay the winners well we know shane van gisbergen with garth tander cameron waters with will Davison, and chas Mostet and warren luff rounding out the uh the the podium
0: yeah it's interesting so cam waters his first ever podium which is a great effort from him um i love that that fact and the funniest thing i thought was watching them in pits and we're watching will davison stressed and garth tander stressed they won bathurst together and they're sitting in pit lane watching their co-drivers fighting for the race so uh, i thought that was interesting in itself Uh, but then the other one you, you can't avoid talking about is warren luff that's six podiums in the last nine outings at bathurst that guy is the co driver to have if you can get him. So uh, I think Walgreenshore well, sure Drudy United are, are a bit kissed on that one. And uh, yeah, just amazing effort by him, given that he really only does that one or two races a year. And the rest of the time he's just going sideways at Movie World.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, the last hold, they're saying it's the last hold win. So you're
0: saying it's not the last hold win? No, what a pile of artificial manipulated crap to try and gender some sort of excitement about this thing. It is the last time a factory Holden will run there because Holden does not exist anymore. Holden's gone. They've sent it to bed and put it off to heaven. But the Holden Commodore is going to race next year. So if somebody else wins the race next year, um, are they just going to forget that Van Gisbergen won the last one for Holden as they were waving around their flags and all of those sort of things? So, you know, I think it's a bit of a silly silly hype-up given that there is one more race that the Commodores are going to be at at Bathurst. So uh, to me, it's a bit silly and um, was kind of annoying me throughout the course of the week. They're going to
1: be at Bathurst twice next year, because they're going to open Bathurst uh, either February, late February, early March, because SEMA has come out and actually confirmed that they'll be having the first round at Bathurst.
0: Yep. No, which is great, isn't it? It's good to go back there and be good to see them. In we'll find out how they go. Well. With,
1: so, but they're still got yeah. they're still
0: going to have the same aero. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're going to have same everything. So yeah, the they are not going to
1: change as, the airway. The same, the racing will be the just the same. I just hope it's raining yeah, when they go the, there.
0: Except that the races will be shorter. Um, so they will um they'll they will not be as conservative. What, like um, they weren't conservative yeah. for the last 30 laps at Bathurst? I think they were conservative, yeah.
1: No, they weren't. Isn't no that one the time to. when they put the foot down? Like take take consolidate your position,
0: get to lap 130 Everybody. and go for it. Everybody says that, but I don't see anybody making desperate lunges in the closing stages of Bathurst. You know, Davey Reynolds didn't do it on Jamie Wincup when he could have. You know, John Bauer could have done it a couple of times and he didn't. Like, people just don't do it. They talk about it, but they don't do it. Because if you're sitting second at Bathurst, you're second at Bathurst. You really want to not finish because you did something stupid. Um so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of myths and a lot of hypes about this thing you are going to want to be very sure when you stick your nose up the inside in the closing laps of Bathurst that you can actually finish it.
1: Oh it's a good point. Okay so it's not the last Holden fair enough but the the, the fact is the era is going to change in 2022 it's almost like 2021 is just a holding pattern, well, it's just, yeah, use the same cars and all that. But let's keep talking about Gen 3 and get everybody excited. Oh, it's too far away for me to get excited about Gen 3. I'll get excited about Gen 3 after Bathurst
0: next year. Well, your attention span is very short, so you, you've forgotten yeah, about it. That's why,
1: that's, that's why I subscribe to KO, so I don't have to – my attention is zero. It, it, entertain me or piss off yep no exactly yeah i'm spending i'm spending spending hard cash to be entertained now i better
0: get some entertainment value for my dollar yeah it was a bit disappointing i thought as a race but you know it is still bathurst it's still the most significant race we have all year so you know whether it's a boring race or not doesn't diminish the winner's efforts and um, yeah you got me there yeah
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. okay winners and losers the first winner. Yeah. I want to put in Brody Kostecki. I love the way he raced. I love the fact that he wouldn't let people go past. I wish there was more people like that saying, "Stuff you, you're going to pass me around the outside. I ain't going to move over for you. I don't care whether it's an endurance race.
0: You get past me." What a cracking drive! I thought. Yeah, it's, as you say, he was he was good. He was clean. He didn't hit anybody. He didn't do any mistakes. He was just hard to pass. And if you're paying somebody to race your car, do you want a soft cock who just steps out of the way and lets everybody pass? Or do you want a bloke who's going to say, if you're going to pass me, you're going to do it the hard way. Is that a technical um, term, then, soft cock? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's as technical <laughs> as the world gets. And then you look at it and you think, well, he bluffed Jamie Wincup into hitting the wall. Hey. So remember that. He bluffed Jamie Wincup into hitting the wall. That is a pretty big effort for a young guy. Um, so I thought if you're talking about somebody who's come away from there and their stocks have gone up massive amounts, Brody Kostecki, um, somebody should be thinking about putting him in the car full time next year.
1: Oh, I think there are, I think his manager Paul Morris is trying real hard for that. But is there any spots available?
0: Uh yeah, there will be because um, um, if Anton leaves Erebus as is expected, um, where do you think Brody Kostecki is based at the moment? All, got, all, all of the guys they- out Erebus. Yeah, but they
1: also they got Will Brown already signed. Yeah, if Will
0: Brown hangs around.
1: Well, okay. You've got some you got some mail on this? Could you want to
0: share? No. No, not not any, anything excessive, but there's a lot of movement about to happen in the next month or so on driver lineups and it'll all start when when Scott McLaughlin makes clear what his intentions are and then the dice will tumble from there. So <clears throat> then then yeah, then the announcements will come. I think everything's played out. I think Scott McLaughlin is going IndyCars cars next year, no matter what anybody says, unless he has a complete disaster this weekend at St. Pete's. I still think, um, he's, I, think I
1: think I think he's got that anyway. I reckon he's done the deal. Because the way all these news reports, all the, when you write a story about Scott McLaughlin going off to IndyCar, it's like he's actually saying goodbye. I, uh, I, love, I love my. I'm really proud of my supercar career. This is kind of how all these stories are going with Scott McLaughlin. I think he is gone. He's as good as when he crossed the start finish line yesterday or the finish line. That's it. His supercar career is done.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's 100% sealed yet. I think it's 99% done. Um, And so long as he doesn't look out of sea this weekend, he will definitely be doing IndyCars next year. Guess what? And the bottom line is he's not going to look out of sea. He will fit in there and he'll be competitive. So um, for my eyes, he is gone as well. But um, there's still a very slight chance that it won't happen. So –
1: Folks, if you follow supercars, you're definitely going to keep an eye on uh, Indy cars at Saint Pete, Saint Petersburg, or Saint Pete's to all its mates. Um, and, and we're definitely going to make, or we're definitely going to keep an eye and see how he goes in that race. So it's almost like it's another round. Let's see how he goes. So
0: it'll be good. It'll be good you, to see him do well.
1: If you follow supercars, you do like Scott McLaughlin supercars.
0: You're still going to be barracking for him at Saint Pete's. I reckon the Holden fans will be jumping and cheering for him. They want him out. <laughs> well, it's so safe to other field of supercar drivers. <laughs> uh, someone else is, give me a chance, take him to Indy cars.
1: <laughs> Still talking of winners and losers. Bit of a loser this weekend. Brad Jones racing. Oh, boy, it was a weekend they wish they could forget.
0: Oh, so they yeah, and that started right from the start. I mean, there were problem, mechanical problems with the cars. There was a door that wouldn't close uh, on two of the cars, um, and it was just—it was a weekend from hell. And you could see it on Brad's face at one stage. The camera pointed at him, and it was like he looked like he was going to cry. Um, so yeah, you know, he had one car in the fence. He had one car sitting in the pits, and one car in the sand, and cars here and cars there. And the the repair bill would have been staggering um, as well. So. One of those weekends that had so much promise. I thought Nick Percat was a really good chance for the race, um, but then so many mechanical problems. I mean, what did they do? They changed a the coil in practice. Then they end up having to change two coils during the race. They changed the injector lines to get all the to get the fuel smooth. They had problems with their power steering, and that that's just in the one car. And then you got the other car, you know, which was pulled in for black flag on the first couple of laps of the race because because the Cause door, door kept play. opening. I mean, I thought they'd fix that. Well, they did too. They put magnets on it, apparently. To make they it didn't work, bit... did they? No, not at all. So, you know, how do you get through that? And I think, you know, when you're running a car racing team or a serious engineering project, what you want to do is be systematic with your problems. So you want to learn from something when it goes wrong, which is why AAA to the team that they, that they are. You know, when something goes wrong, they systematically work out what happened, how do we fix it, how do we make sure that never happens again? Um, and little things like when they battery ran flat and put Kokowi on the grid one year because it was raining. So every race after that, they've got a battery out there on the grid to restart the car um, or to drop a new battery, etc. So they learned, you know, step by step. Brad Jones Racing, he must have been sitting a thinking, when that door flapped open on the opening lap, he must have been ready to go out there and throttle some people in that team and say, why is this happening? I don't know.
1: People don't know how to fix a door.
0: You no, know, I know. Crazy, isn't it? Oh, absolutely well. crazy so so brad jones just had one of those weekends that he wishes never happened
1: oh i don't blame him i don't blame him whatsoever
0: yeah. I, I was quite impressed i think with the, the progress that team sydney made um so i thought the alex davis and John Webb car progressed quite nicely i mean they were in the top eight in one of the practice sessions a um, bit disappointed they didn't nail qualifying which left them down the grid a bit but I thought for a team that's that's had a bit of a struggle year, they they went all right. So uh, I'd have them on my winner's list at the moment. And my other winner is the two Super Lights drivers um, and and Matt Stone, of course, for running it. So I think even though they crashed out of the race and there was another crash as well uh, during qualifying, which hurt them, uh, I think they proved that the in a year like we've had where track time is limited, having the two drivers split over the season actually worked quite well for them. And both of them showed enough potential. So I think that worked really well. What do you mean by super lights? Well, that's what Matt Stone termed it, the super lights. So they run half a season. Each. Oh, really? Um, so that's, that's a yeah, new so that, term.
1: Super light driver is a kind of person that's kind of been there but sharing it with someone else.
0: Yeah. Okay. yeah, That's how. So Matt Stone, when he floated it, he floated that at Bathurst last year. Um, saying that that's what he wanted to do and, he, you know, he wanted to do a super lights concept and and he did. Uh, and I think it worked all right for him. So now his job is that he wants to run three cars next year. So um, he's trying to work out the funding streams for that, et cetera. Uh, but I thought they showed quite a bit there that weekend. I, I thought it was quite impressive and, you know, they had a lot of mechanical problems and a couple of other things, but, um, you know, they'll get over that and they'll learn from that and, and, and move on. But um, they showed enough speed, I think, to say they're all right. Ooh, all right.
1: Okay, that's pretty much it for the Bathurst rundown. Just one other thing I wanted to chat to you about because we're getting into now the silly season of supercars, even though it started. My thing is Scott McLaughlin's gone to IndyCar Racing. He's not back. Let's say that's happened, right? We all expect Anton to be in his position at Team DJR, right? There's two things here. How do you think Anton's going to go? And how do you think the sport with all the other drivers are going to go that now Scott McLaughlin isn't there? How do you see that turning out?
0: Uh, well, let's say firstly, I think Anton's shown this year he's got the ability to do it. So um, he stepped up really well um, in a year where Dave Reynolds struggled. Anton didn't seem to struggle as much. So so we know Anton's got the goods. Um, the question is still whether or not he's going to end up there. Like a lot of men talk about Will Davison ending up in that seat for a while. Um, But then there's also talk that Fabian's gone as well. So it could end up as Will and Anton. Um, So how will the other drivers go? I think your early favourite for next season's championship should be Cam Waters. He stepped up. You know, he finished second in the championship. Let's not forget that. He jumped Jamie Wincup this weekend and finished second in the championship. So this is a breakout year for Cam. um, And I think, yeah, he's going to be looking good. Um, I can't see the Red Bull team struggling the way they did this year again. Um, so they'll like not having Scott McLaughlin there to foil their, um, their, their efforts. And I think everybody's just, you know, everybody moves up another spot without him there. Cause he's been such a dominant player. You know, his qualifying has been so good. I mean, what do we say? 27 out of 29 races. He started on the front row of the grid or something. Is he like staggering effort? He, he's just been phenomenal. Um, so I think people will be happy to see the back of him. Race formats looks like next year
1: is going to continue the same style of race formats as they've had this year. Are they putting bigger fuel tanks in the cars? Will the fuel tank's going to stay the same size? Because I'm hearing that fuel tank's going to
0: be bigger on the Gen 3. Am I right there? Yeah, there's talk of putting bigger fuel tanks in next year as well, so it might happen, but, you know, who cares? I think the race formats were quite good this year um the, you, know, you need to put a bigger fuel tank in what are you gonna do go another two or three laps longer it's not going to be anything overly significant so you know i think uh, whether they put bigger fuel in or not stick to what you got it worked still have our hero races i mean bathurst they're talking about is two 250k races you know like the Clipsal format so you know work that make it work have our heroes and then have our super sprints and uh you know don't fiddle too much
1: okay clarky Thank You for your input, I really appreciate that. And uh, this is our Bathurst review episode. I just wanted to let listeners know that we're not going away totally in the off season, we're going to be putting out uh, shows on a kind of semi regular basis obviously, not as often as we have with our reviews and previews. We still have our final driver rating show to come up in the next few days as well. So, keep a an eye and ear out for that, but also, like I said, we will be doing some special shows throughout the off season to keep the juices flowing, so to speak. So um, keep a look out for those. And
0: Nev, we might even have a new name in the off season. How much fun would that be? Yes, we are we are playing around with that concept as well. We felt, mate, we'll
1: give everybody a fair warning. Now <laughs> we felt that the name's a little bit long and complicated, and we could uh, we may change it. So, uh, but we'll let you know well in advance
0: when that's happening. We'll probably do a show dedicated to it. Yes, we can. We can go through. How do we whiteboard this, Neville? <laughs> we, did this, we did that. We did like that.
1: Well, in, in, the, in the effort of not boring our listeners, I'm going to sign off, Clarky, Thanks for your time. It's been a, it's been a great year of racing, and um, I'll talk to you soon.
0: Don't no worry, big Well, that's it folks for Bathurst and the season as the supercar teams sign off for an early and well-deserved holiday. All the Victorian teams and Kev from Dunlop have been on the road for more than hundred days to bring us a motor racing series in this weird world in which we live. Massive thanks to the hundred or so who sacrificed time at home with their families to bring us the 2020 Virgin Australia Supercar Championship. Big kudos to all of you. The recipe for Bathurst was very well mixed. Scott McLaughlin had his third title sewn up before the cars arrived, so this was just one 1,000km blast to take home the biggest prize on domestic motorsport. The prospect of what lay ahead was salivating, but we left the event hungry for better racing and a desire for less aero wash. We loved Cam Water's pole-winning lap, but even his speed proved worthless in the race once he'd lost track position, and the storms that were predicted never arrived. That's one up for Nev, who said they wouldn't. But that's to take nothing away from the Giz and Garth Tander. The Kiwi's run in that five lap wet spell just before the midpoint of the race was stunning and it set up the win. But it wasn't the only impressive drive and we'll tell you more about them in the Driver Ratings Edition in a couple of days time. But that also won't be the end of us for this year. We'll wrap up the season, we'll launch our new name and then pop back with specials over the rest of spring and summer as enough big news comes to hand. The driver market is far from settled for 21. There'll be gen three comings and goings too and a calendar to talk about. So we will be back. I'm Andrew Clark. This is Supercars in Review. Thanks for listening. Maybe I'll drop in one more intro to replace the Wind Cup one. What? (laughs) No, I won't. See ya.